0: Welcome to A Players, a podcast about how startups scale, where we interview founders, venture builders, growth managers, and everybody that is involved in the scaling of a startup. I'm Michael Varley. I'll be your host today. The show is powered by Accelerate, recruitment agency matching exceptional talent with the best startups worldwide. Today's guest is Anton Marinovic, a good friend of ours, and who is VP of sales at HoloBuilder a SaaS startup focused on the construction sector. Anton is a proven sales leader with over 10 years sales leadership experience. Uh, he kicked off his career by working on the first incarnation of the Google Shopping platform and that has led sales teams across the globe at Meltwater, Aon, Contentful, uh, developing deep expertise in software uh, sales. Thank you for joining us today, Anton.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Michael. It's always great yeah. to have a bit of time with you.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. Um Anton, now you're at HoloBuilder, could you tell me a little bit more about um what you and the team are doing there?
1: Yeah, um so HoloBuilder, um, you know, we're a startup, we're what you would call a vertical SaaS play. Um yeah. so we're focused exclusively on the construction sector. And what we mm-hmm. do is we provide a solution that allows you to take all your 360 photo documentation and organize mm-hmm. it and lay it over blueprints but also tie that into things like BIM models and 3D renderings, all the things that you probably don't know about, seeing that you haven't built a house, or maybe you have, or uh, a hospital or anything else. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been a very, very interesting play. I mean, the construction sector in general is one of the most least disrupted sectors, mm-hmm. so it's been uh, fascinating to to be working in it and providing this service. Um, nice. It really feels like selling SaaS back in 2006, okay. um, where it's all very just new and, and educational, but we okay. are actually based out of Aachen, but our the uh, kind of all of our dev is out of Aachen and mm-hmm. Aachen, Germany, and then all of our front end work is and client facing stuff is based here in San Francisco.
0: Okay, nice. And I mean, that's quite interesting. There you say about selling uh, SaaS back in two thousand and six, um, right. And into like a, a new industry. There, um, do you see what kind of similarities do you see there in terms of you know yeah. when you're working with uh, you know customers?
1: Yeah, it's. It reminds me back to like my Meltwater days, um, mm-hmm. where you know we were selling you know a cloud hosted solution, but mm. at that stage most people didn't understand exactly what was a cloud hosted solution. Mm-hmm. So our buyer right now for Contentful, you know these are individuals and organizations that are more accustomed to buying you know hundreds of tons of concrete or yeah. steel or even toilet paper, right? They're they're not accustomed to buying software. But as, you know, technology approaches more and more into their workflow, they need to adapt and change. And so we've really been educating them, you know, not along with just selling, but we're also really educating them uh, Mm -hmm. about what the future of their industry will look like.
0: Mm. Well, I I suppose that's super important, right? This kind of consultative uh, sales when working with like, um, yeah, yeah, undertapped markets like that. Um, Yes. 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 Super interesting. How did you make your way into the the world of technology?
1: Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to be born pretty much in the middle of all of this. So (laughs) as you know, I'm from Mountain View, California, which... Yeah. You know, 15 years ago, nobody would have ever known where it is on a map. But now, mm-hmm. thanks to Google and LinkedIn and yeah. all these other companies, everyone knows Mount View quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started, you know, got onto the job market, you know, finished my education, decided to start, you know, f- find my first role or my first place in, in the world, um, you know, those were the type of opportunities that were just in front of me. I mean, when you're living in the middle of it, the yeah. amount of opportunities in front of you to get into tech are, are just very, very plentiful, mm-hmm. um, and I was just very, very determined to start my career with Google. So once mm. I finished my my masters, I just uh, basically hit the pay- pavement, tried to meet as many people as I could at Google, try to shake as many hands and kiss as many babies mm-hmm. as humanly possible until <laughs> I, I found a role, and, and that's exactly what happened. And, and from that yeah, point nice. on, it was uh, I've I've never turned back.
0: Yeah, nice. And when did you realize? Obviously, you know, you you growing up in uh, in in Mountain View, and you know, there's so much kind of opportunities in engineering, design, yeah. uh, product, sales. When did you kind of realize uh, sales is is the thing for you?
1: That's a that's a good question. I it, it was really when I joined Meltwater, um, mm-hmm. and for Meltwater, you know, when I joined, then I was the third U.S. hire. You know, mm-hmm. now fast forward 2019, Meltwater, I think, has about like 3,000 people around the world and is whatever, 200 million in ARR. Mm-hmm. But um, the Meltwater opportunity, uh, I just discovered on a job posting. It could have even mm-hmm. been Craigslist or something. And <laughs> it just, you know, it shows you like 2006 Like, where would you go around looking for, you know, a SaaS job mm-hmm. um, or anything in SaaS? And so. I, uh, I found that opportunity and, and that's where I really, you know, I decided to give it a shot. You know, I had family members who were in sales. I was always told as a kid I was pretty outgoing. And so they just assumed that I would be good at it. Um, and so when the Meltwater opportunity came out, they were basically focused very much on developing salespeople, but developing mm-hmm. salespeople into managers in a more mm-hmm. global context because they were looking mm-hmm. to open up offices around the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, that's where it really all happened for me. Uh, okay, nice. and it was being thrown into the deep end of the pool, I guess is the best way to say it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, many of our listeners will be kind of, uh, founders, uh, HR leaders, um, people who are essentially, you know, building their companies and obviously, you know, the hiring of, you know, salespeople, um, yeah, yeah comes up, um, at one point, uh, in terms of kind of what direction to kind of take uh you know building out that sales force um yeah i mean from your experience um you know at the early stage when when are companies are uh, kind of making that first sales hire
1: yeah that's a good question i think it really depends you know on the the ceo um mm-hmm. you know i I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to be approached by a lot of CEOs of very early stage startups. And mm-hmm. the first advice I give them is as a CEO, you really need to close your first like 10 deals. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to just see exactly what the market is saying, the feedback, and the insights that they're giving you. Yeah. Um, but high level, when is it the best time to hire a salesperson? Is really on capacity.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, it's, it's, it's understanding or having a rough understanding of your funnel. And knowing mm-hmm. that you have uh, enough or you have enough traction and interest now to, to bring on uh, someone to help further that growth. Yeah. I think sometimes for some people, they just think that by hiring a single salesperson then all mm-hmm. of a sudden that's just going to be a magician and money's just going to come out of nowhere. No, yes. you really have to. It's, it's, it's about the math. Um, you know, yeah, sales is, there's a very much of a skill component to it, but Mm -hmm. there's also very much the math component to it. And if you Mm -hmm. don't know the math or have a basic understanding of the math, Mm, then you could be potentially setting up someone for failure.
0: Okay. Interesting. So it's really important for, you know, founders to be very hands-on, um, selling, selling those deals initially and kind of building out that playbook, uh, for, uh, you know, their first salesperson to come into
1: that's right. That's right. Or just even making a rough outline, but you, you really mm-hmm. have to go through the trenches yourself to understand because it's just it's about you know the product and how does the product fit into the marketplace and if yeah. you don't really understand how the product is working in the marketplace even initially, then you know unless you get a really seasoned salesperson who's been through it quite a few times over and is open to taking a very high risk opportunity which mm-hmm. probably means you having to give away a lot of equity to just see mm-hmm. if this is going to work out. Um, you know, you just you, you you're really just rolling the dice. But yeah. you know, if you take the lead on your own and really see it for yourself and then understand like okay, now I'm seeing some traction. We've closed the first initial kind of deals. We understand now that we need to like work on top of the funnel flow. We're mm-hmm. going to do that with some marketing campaigns or we're looking to actually hire an SDR first. In some cases, you know, I've even told people, you know, instead of actually hiring an AE, why don't you just hire like an SDR or like a sales development Mm -hmm. ref or somebody to Mm -hmm. do some cold calling and schedule some appointments for you and then see how that goes. And then if the interest is there and, you know, and you're becoming too busy that you can't Mm -hmm. handle all that interest, then it's definitely time to get somebody else.
0: Yeah, super interesting. Um, Yeah, really interesting. And I mean, for a lot of founders, um, you know, obviously, maybe they come from a deep product background, engineering background. Obviously, some come from sales, sales backgrounds as well. I mean, how do founders identify uh, that first kind of salesperson? Because obviously, you know, the stereotype would say, you know, it's somebody who's outgoing, charismatic um, (laughs) and maybe get, you know, hoodwinked. Uh, yeah. Into uh, you know hu- you know thinking they're hiring somebody who is going to be good, but then actually on day one it's not. So just trying to get to the point, like how do you kind of identify you know uh, potentially a great salesperson?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would break it down in a couple ways. I would say is you know so basically from the first point is you know it's always handy if you find someone who has some sector understanding. So like for us, mm-hmm. you know, we're in the construction sector. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you find somebody who, you know, whose parent, you know, was a plumber or a mason or a Mm -hmm. carpenter, um, or they out of college, their first job was working on a job site, you know, that's, that's Mm -hmm. something that is is really of interest to us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're selling... You know, a marketing software, maybe it'd be good to have someone who's been in marketing tech for just a little bit or had enough Mm -hmm. that they just understand the the overall layout and the, you know, the, 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 the market. Um, The next bit of it though, is also like basing it on your ASB or ACV. So Mm -hmm. if your product is like a, let's just say for sake of argument, it's 10,000 ARR, Um, Mm -hmm. you ideally would also want to find someone who has closed and done sales at that similar price point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe they're not selling the exact same thing, you know, maybe you're not trying to pull somebody out of a competitor, but Mm -hmm. whatever that they sold before was in general at around that same range that they understand the kind of process and the decision making process that goes into make a decision or buying decision at that level. And then mm-hmm. lastly um one of the things that I really look out for is I like to call it like the secret sauce or the the mm-hmm. X factor <laughs> and 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 we did this a lot at at Contentful or at least for, for me from a hiring perspective is really was looking out uh what makes people unique um but primarily like did they have some kind of like dirty job so mm-hmm. you know in college they you know or they're going to university And they also had to work in it. They also worked, you know, the mornings in a cafe so they had enough money Mm -hmm. to buy their books. Or, or again, in the case of Hollow Builder, right? You know, or like, you know, for me, let's use this as an instance, right? My dad is a mason. So as a kid, I, I basically grew up on a job site as a kid, my weekends, mm-hmm. right? I would go and help my dad on the job site if it was as basic as just cleaning up dirt or, mm-hmm. you know, moving stones from one pile to another mm-hmm. pile. But yeah. I understood that, that kind of that, that hard work. And I think for early stage startups, you need someone who also has been through that mm-hmm. because they, they understand the value of a dollar, a euro or pound uh, mm-hmm. but also, um, they have that a little extra grit because at this stage or especially in the early stage companies, it's grit is a very, very key thing to, to have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like finding people who have done some kind of dirty job in their career or early in their career, um, kind of increases that typical kind of that, that grit level compared to others. Nah.
0: No, super interesting. And I mean, here we're talking about like, you know, finding this talent. And, but when we talk about, you know, you've kind of, you know, you're starting to build a sales team, uh, in, in your startup, um, how do you, one of the things I was always amazed with from, from yourself is, um, like the team spirit that you built up with a lot of your sales teams, um, yeah. you know, how, how, do you kind of, you know, kind of foster that and allow that to kind of flourish in a natural way? Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, uh, I mean, so from, from my point of view as a sales leader, uh, you're a problem solver. Uh, mm-hmm. And my, my role is to solve the problems that my team is having so they can just focus on sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, that's as one point doing that, you know, your sales team develops or the people around you develop a lot of trust that mm-hmm. you have their back. Yeah. And that you're doing what you can to, to allow them just to continue and be more effective at, at their job. I mm-hmm. think another thing, too, is, and this applies more to the early stage, is mm-hmm. your first maybe few, let's say your first four sales hires, you want them to be involved in the process a little bit. You want them mm-hmm. to have an opportunity to make a decision or two. You know, the reason that they join an early stage startup is that they want the opportunity to grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they just wanted to set, check in and check out and make a lot of money, then they would be going to, you know, much larger firms. But mm-hmm. the individuals who are taking the gamble to join as like, let's say your first, you know, four or five reps, they're doing that because they're looking for ownership and they're looking for guidance and they're looking for mentorship. So if you provide them with that, you know, you will, you will definitely get their 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 loyalty and trust and, and especially in sales, uh loyalty can go a very, very long way. Um mm. it's almost in some ways you want to put a higher value to it than some of the other things because mm. now as you know, especially the, for instance, let's say here in Silicon Valley, um there are so many opportunities out there right now. There are so many people who are offering crazy amounts of money or crazy amounts of equity all based on promises. Um, and so it's hard to keep your team focused and, and loyal to to your mission and goal. But if if you have them, if they know that you have their back and they trust you um, and they feel like they have a bit of ownership or say in what's going on, then why would they ever want to leave?
0: Yeah, really interesting. Um And... You know, one of the things, obviously, with so much of these product and engineering-focused uh, startups and building up, you know, these first commercial sales teams, Yeah. how do you kind of bridge a gap, uh, especially culture-wise, um, in, 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 in these companies that the whole culture doesn't kind of change now we have a sales uh, org um, in yeah. a startup? Yeah, I, well,
1: it goes back to actually the hiring. So uh, one of the things that as, you know... As you kind of get past your few initial reps, uh, you know, these are the people that, you know, you need as your almost lieutenants, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, is that, that next wave, you know, higher three, four, five, six, um, mm-hmm. we've really put the effort is, especially if you have a defined culture, is using whatever your defined culture is, is also putting that a part of the process. So, okay. you know, if you are saying that, you know, our culture is to be transparent, to be respectful, to to always win, whatever, um, you should integrate that also into your sales process or your sales questions or when you're evaluating a candidate at the end of the hiring process is to ask yourself or the other people who are a part of it is does that person match into that culture? Because You know, as you know, too, you know, Michael, culture, you know, you don't really maybe put in a value, a a big value at it when you're 10 people sitting around. But when you start hitting like 20, 30, 40 culture, and especially if they're sitting in other locations or working remote, it starts becoming more and more relevant and more and more important. Mm -hmm. Um, But then not to keep the culture siloed in between departments, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, too, was that. I mean, at least, you know, going back to, to Temple, um, is we did a very, very good job, at least, you know, from my sales team perspective, from my sales team. So these were the individuals like Fred and Dave and others. They also, you know, we encouraged them, but they did it on their own too, is that they made the effort to get to know their, their other colleagues, you know, have yeah. a beer with them after work, mm-hmm. you know, be a part of the, the running team, um, but then if they had questions or insights or things that they were looking to understand more of is just get up and, and speak to those people. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people have a tendency to fall just or rely on Slack or email to get the answer, mm-hmm. but actually having a face to face conversation, um, not only gets you the answer faster, but then also yeah. develops a bond and a relationship. Uh, so, so those are all like key things to, to keep in mind.
0: Nice. So you were actively actually encouraging uh, your sales team to go and, you know, um, get some face time with engineering, get some face time with product yeah. um, as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another thing, too, is like Hollow Builder, for instance, you know, we have our own individual weekly sales team meeting. Right. So it's just mm-hmm. my sales team, which is composed of, the, you know, the STRs, the, the AEs and the and the CSMs or customer success managers, mm-hmm. um, but it's an open door policy. So basically, everybody in the entire company is also invited to that meeting. And if they want to just log in via Zoom or just pop into the meeting room to hear what's mm-hmm. going on, they can. And now the other departments have been doing a similar thing, where it's just that you know, yeah, this is our our division or a team meeting, but we also want to make it you know make it very welcoming and open to everybody.
0: Yeah, nice. And I just want to revert back um, to one of the points you said earlier um, about kind of competing against um, some of those larger uh, companies who are maybe offering more kind of money, equity. How does a, you know, a founder listening to this podcast now, how do they kind of compete against those companies, uh, except for maybe loyalty um, to kind of bring on that talent?
1: yeah uh selling a vision uh, is is big um, I mean it goes back to finding candidates so one of the things and it's a policy that i've had i would say you know I, I even picked it up in in the old meltwater days, but um, it's carried through with me for from everywhere I hired and that is is that whenever you're meeting anyone or even interviewing anyone you don't know who who they know, so you want to make sure that the experience is is good so mm. Um, so that's, that's, that's a big thing for us, right? Is, and it's another way to, to market the opportunity without us having to actually spend any money, uh, is to always ensure that, you know, A, we're selling the, the vision correctly where B, we're, we're passionate about that vision, but then C, you know, no matter whoever we speak to, if it's bumping to someone on the street, they're coming in for an interview, they're doing a phone interview, uh, you're at a cocktail party, that the overall impression about the organization is extremely favorable, uh, mm-hmm. which it should be, right? Because you're working there, and this is, you know, we we pick to work at a place that becomes a part of your life, or at least for that portion of your life, mm-hmm. right? Because it consumes most of the hours of the of the week. Uh, so, so if you're not happy and not being, you know excited about it then you know mm-hmm. what's the point of even working there but we want to make sure that that spews off to the other people around us so that just in the general marketplace um, or your general network people are looking at it in a very favorable way
0: okay nice um, well Anthony it's always really fascinating kind of as uh, you know hearing some of your war stories and yeah. um, some of your knowledge Um, And I do want to, I do want to kind of finish up um, on like one last kind of quick fire question in terms of, um, yeah, what are like two of your favorite kind of interview questions uh, to ask (laughs) a potential kind of candidate? Uh, That's a good
1: question. Um, So, so this, okay. So my, my first, my first one is, uh, I like to ask candidates to, to give me the name of their best friends. And so mm-hmm. let's say if I was sitting across from someone, I'd say like, okay, give me the name of your best friend. And maybe they'd say it's like Jonas. I'm like, great. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in a coffee shop uh, or a bar or wherever, and I bump into Jonas and mm-hmm. I'm talking about my company and how I'm looking for amazing salespeople. And your mm-hmm. friend Jonas says, oh my God, you know what? You need to meet my friend's x and i'm Mm -hmm. like okay well tell me three things that jonas would say about you and remember Mm. this is what jonas your best friend is saying not not what you're saying so tell me what three things that jonas would say about you and then they give me whatever the three things and i say all right now tell me something that that jonas mentioned that you need to work on um, Mm. from the perspective of jonas and what i found is by asking that question um, you can really tell the difference between people who are very scripted um, to the ones that are very kind of open, honest, uh, very transparent by that answer. You know, really, you know, there's no right or wrong answer at the end of the day. But, you know, what I found is the person that goes like, oh, yeah, like Jonas Cheese, I go back to preschool with this person. Oh, Jonas would say that, mm-hmm. you know, I, at times I could be a little headstrong. Uh, I'm also a perfectionist. And yeah. then Jonas would also joke that, you know, when it ever comes to big events, I'm always a little bit late. Like, for instance, I, I was 15 minutes late to his wedding and mm-hmm. I was the best man. You know, I like I like that because it's just it's it's true. It's honest. Yeah. Uh, there's no game around this. And I can see a little bit more insights to, to who they are as, as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nice. Compared to nice. the, you know, yes, I'm I'm
0: he would say that I'm bold and happy and trustworthy. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, re- Nice. But yeah, I really love that, actually, because it shows um, a high, well, their kind of empathy levels and also like self-awareness. So yeah, I couldn't yes. agree with you more. Uh, yes. Yeah. On that. And um, then my
1: last question would be just asking them to actually give me a complete walkthrough of the most deal, the, the one deal they're the most proud of from a sales mm-hmm. perspective, because all salespeople have some sort of war story, as you know, or they have some deal that they cherish the most or they're the most yeah. proud of. Uh and and I want to hear that and I want to hear what they went through to to close that deal. Again, to kind of grade the their grit to see how intuitive they are or how much of uh, how they probably worked cross functionally to mm-hmm. to make the deal happen and so forth. So
0: Nice. Nice, yeah. yeah we well, love them both. I think one's more focused on the personal side yeah. and self awareness, more one more on the skill uh, yeah. side. So yeah, super, super cool. But um, Anton, thank you so much for coming on again. Um, and I think, yeah, that kind of perfectly kind of tees up uh, the interview. Uh, but thanks, thank so for, thanks for joining today.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. It's, it's, it's always great to be a part of your community and um, both as a once candidate, but also a, a client of, of Accelerate. It's, <laughs> uh, it's fascinating and amazing to see your, your guys' own growth story. And one day somebody should be doing podcasts about you, so
0: maybe one day you never know yeah okay cool well that's it uh for the episode of a players uh show notes can be found on the blog on blog.accelerate.com that's a c e l r and number eight.com if you want to learn more about our services head over to accelerate.com i would love to help you in uh growing your company so until the next episode, thank you so much. Uh, it's Michael Valley, and thanks for joining us today.